Hi, I'm Dan Sanguinetti. And I'm Russell Lee. And this is Film Rhapsody. In this week's episode, we talk about Lights, Canberra Action, one of the biggest events on Canberra's filmmaking calendar. And we speak to some of the players in the game who share some of their experiences at Lights, Canberra Action. Well, we've got a fantastic season ahead of us. Uh, One of the things that we learned from producing season one on a regular basis is that when we talk with like-minded individuals, we feel good about ourselves. Like part of why I started this podcast is to create some sort of therapy as a mm-hmm. way to to help us deal with the challenges of being content makers and video makers. And by having an episode every other week or every week, it's meant that my content has become more regular and more, more available, which it's been a great thing and a great thing that I am looking forward to continuing with season two. The show has really become like a filmmaking laxative. It has in a way because... Uh, by talking with uh, some amazing people, uh, as many of those who would have listened to our uh, clip show that mm-hmm. we released last week, you would have heard some great insights from a number of different uh, creative people that have been um, helpful and uh, inspiring to us as filmmakers. And we'd have more in season two. So one of the episodes coming up that uh, I really wanted to highlight was um, we're doing a special episode for International Women's Day on March 6th. Um, I've invited three amazing women to come and talk to me and share with me in, in, in essentially having, f- trying to find a way to better build gender equality in on my film sets and also to share and uh, give advice on how our film community and our film industry can further, I guess, bring that equality line mm-hmm. to where it belongs. And then later in the season, I'm going to sit down with a, f- a few fellow writers and we're going to crack each other's skulls open and see what makes us tick. It's going to be a writer's roundtable. It won't make a damn bit of sense, but it will be happening in season two. We're also going to have Screen Canberra um, come visit us and have a chat about some of the things that they've been doing over the last couple of Can years. Can they make the journey? It's not too far away from them? No, look, they, they've booked their flights. They've uh, organised their accommodation and um, the 15 metres they have to walk to the... Film Rhapsody Studio. Oh, I was about to say that's a lot of effort to get away from us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, Green Campbell will join us later this season. So hopefully, um, yeah, they'll have some amazing things to talk about. And and obviously, like the big thing as well is that this, this is an agency with uh, four women working and helping and developing Canberra's film industry. Mm-hmm. Also in season two, we're traveling to the Alice set, dance film with me. And we're going to take a look at the next block of filming and preview what's going to be coming up for you. We'll also be talking to Patrick J. Gallagher or Pat Gallagher um, later this season. He is uh, he was the director on Theatre of the Dead, but he's also um, a long-time uh, theatre actor and, uh, and, a, and a long-time employee of the Parliament House as well, which mm-hmm. uh, we get some insights into his time behind a camera um, while working uh, with our politicians. And we're also going to be sitting down and speaking with Victoria Fiona Hopkins, screen queen, actress costume designer, and part of the Alice team. So there's lots of amazing things that we're looking forward to this season, and there's plenty more that we haven't talked about yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, if all goes well, there will be a weekly episode for us to uh, share and, and, and uh, put out there. So Film Rhapsody Season 2. On we go. 
So this time last year, the, the, the two of us were busy, um, hard work on the Man in the Moon film. What do you remember mostly from that time? I think making a film for Lights, Camera, Action is always a difficult and stressful time. I, I, like lights, camera, action is the reason why I'm a filmmaker, uh-huh. because of the opportunity that it was to make a film each year. Because um, there's not a lot of film festivals in Canberra, is there? Well, th- there was a few little ones, but uh, we're talking 2004. Was, was Screen Camera even around? No, then? see, there was no Screen Camera. There was like the Filmmakers Network and things like that, but uh, it felt unsupported. It felt unorganized. It didn't seem to be working the way it should be, and so. Yeah, pre the creation of Screen Canberra, Lights, Camera, Action was the industry. Uh It was the thing that existed and that was it. And so the first year it came out, I heard about it. I can't remember how I heard about it. I I was absolutely wanting to make a film. Uh Um, And so I'd made one. And I mean, I made it on VHS. Yes, in VHS, even... Still have my player. Early 2000s. (laughs) But it it was a terrible movie. In all, like, I know it's it's not a thing to put yourself down, but, um, and it, being that, it was one of my earliest projects, but it was about a pizza delivery guy who couldn't find the address. But what I tried to do interesting with it was that at the same time, there was a rugby game happening. And the idea is that the commentary of the rugby game was commentating his inability to find the address. Did he get tackled in the film? Uh, no. So what he does is he he scores a try at the end with the pizza box mm-hmm. and so when he opens up the when he opens up the pizza box to the customers it's destroyed mm. so that was the film <laughs> I, I reflect on it and laugh now mm-hmm. but this is why and this is why it's so important that making a film can really change your life right mm-hmm. it was shown there was an out of competition screening mm-hmm. because all the films that went through on Lights, Camera, Action got shown. And because that film got shown, I was like, I want to make another one mm-hmm. and another one and another one. And so it was like this, you know, it was this motivation. It was this acceptance as as a filmmaker. My film got selected to be shown. It didn't matter. It didn't get selected for anything. It just was on a list. It said, Dan Sanguinetti, Last Orders, mm-hmm. Lights, Camera, Action 2004, which it, it just, it was life-changing. Like yeah. seriously, the life-changing moment. Um, because the year after, in 2005, I made a film with my filmmaking um, partner at the time um, and it was a post-apocalyptic type film. I mean, I think it was all the rage in the early 2000s to make post-apocalyptic type stories. Thank God we've gone away from apocalypse. Yeah, and it made it into the top 12 and that was Epitaph. And that's one of the uh, the things that Marissa mentioned when we talked to her in last season. That was the film she like, really liked. She liked the, yeah, she liked the visual um, at the end where where there was all the people of, of Canberra dead in, in Greenwood Place. Like we shut down Greenwood Place without permission. So then last year, mm-hmm. um, I kind of brought it all, I guess, full circle in a way and made the decision that I would be making, I would be officially making my last Lights, Camera, Action film so I could move on to other things mm-hmm. to be able to free myself up to, to, be, to be sharing what I can with other people. And as a swan song, I guess, Man in the Moon is something that you couldn't have possibly imagined something better. That's right. I mean, it, it was a type of film that um, I don't think I could have um, I could have made until the, the point I was in my career as a filmmaker uh-huh. um, because I wanted to tell something that had, a, had much 
deeper meaning and had a had layers built upon layers like it wasn't just a straight story about you know some of my other films you know there was about a guitar player who lost the love and things like that but that was supposed to start out as a El Marachi um, parody or El Marachi style film with guns and explosions and things like that mm-hmm. and because I just ran out of time it ended up being this love letter to Canberra but it didn't have much deeper meaning to it and didn't have much of a plot um, the story of Man in the Moon I wanted to tell something about connect, connecting with parents or connecting with a father um, that wasn't there um, and, and, and an innocence that was was lost and an innocence that we, we probably still have when it comes to reaching for the stars and reaching for um, our futures. Back in season one, I talked with Marissa Martin, as you might remember, where we discussed a lot about her uh, founding Lights, Camera, Action and also what makes a great Lights, Camera, Action film. Um, not everything made the episode uh, that time. So here is uh, some exclusive deleted clips from my chat with Marissa Martin. Why did you start Lights, Camera, Action? I don't think I've ever asked you that. For the years that, you know, <laughs> that we've we've been in the industry together, mm. I've never asked you that. Why did you start it? Um, we started Lights, Camera, Action 16 years ago. Um, and we did it because um, I my, my then partner and myself had been to the Newcastle Shootout Film Festival, which was um, this super fun 24-hour filmmaking festival yeah. um, that was something that the UC kids all did. We all drove to Newcastle for the weekend, made a film on from Friday night to Saturday night, and then they would screen them on the Sunday. And you didn't even know if your film was in until it started playing during the show. Oh. Oh, wow. So it was absolutely tense, the whole screening. Yeah. So, you know, we absolutely love this event and we made the finals four times. Yeah. Um, never won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we made the finals four times, which was pretty amazing. Um, and at the time in Canberra, there were only, there weren't very many short filmmaking festivals. Short filmmaking had only just begun to get um, cost effective, you know, video cameras and um, editing suites and stuff had just started to become affordable um, for people who were really interested. Um, before that, you know, it was home videos were eight mil or something and that's yeah. a whole different, yeah. you know, and there were competitions around that we'd heard about where you could shoot films on eight mil or, um, or things like that. But this was sort of the, the emergence of home video making yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this was 2003 and um, the ACT government approached us saying that they wanted, because we'd been running short seasons. Yeah. Yeah, which was another short film festival that was non-competitive and just somewhere for us and our mates and whoever else we could um, find in Canberra who'd made a short film. The amount of work that goes into them, we wanted to screen them. Yeah. So short seasons was about that. So the ACT government knew that we were making film festivals mm-hmm. um, and that we could run one successfully um, because we'd been running short seasons by then. Um, and they were like, oh, we'd love to have a, a film festival that's um, got so that we can see Canberra locations on screen. We want to see Canberra on screen. We want to do it around the Canberra Festival, um, which doesn't exist anymore. But at the time was, a, you know, the, the Canberra Festival was around Canberra Day. Now we have Enlighten, yeah. um, which is basically the same thing, but it's called something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were like, do you want to have a think about an event and, and um, pitch it to us and we'll, we'll, we'll look to make it happen? And we yeah. were like, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we looked at, um, at the shootout as our big inspiration, but there were several things that as filmmakers we wanted to be able to do um, better than, yeah. than shootout does. Because shootout is only 24 hours you and you have to shoot cons- 
consecutively in in camera in camera you yeah. can't edit outside a camera it has to be edited in camera mm. um and so you have to shoot every shot consecutively and you know line it up and it, it was a really awful way to make a film yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um so the first thing we thought we'd add was editing so you're allowed to edit yeah um and more time 10 days yeah and the reason it's 10 days is so that you've got two weekends yeah 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 Yeah. so that you've got a weekend to shoot and a weekend to edit so that if you've got a job or school or something you can still make a film yeah um to make it as accessible as possible for everybody yeah um it had to have canberra items so that canberra is on screen yeah so that's where the 10 items came from yeah and we thought it's a bit like a scavenger hunt you know you've got to learn about canberra we tied all the items into themes and into Canberra's history um, so that, you know, because my father is a heritage architect. (laughs) So my childhood um, was spent going to heritage locations and learning history as I went. So I think that has instilled in me a love of history. Um, And so we were like, oh, yeah, we'll put Canberra things in and and tell the history of those items and um, hopefully show people a side of Canberra they haven't thought of or haven't seen or didn't know about. and so that's where those early items kind of came from. These days, we do a little bit of that. Mm. Um, and we also do a bit of freeing up for people because 10 locations is actually quite onerous on the filmmakers. Yeah. Um, so we now, we now balance it as five location-specific items and five on-theme items. Yeah. Um, and you can have up to five in photographs. So in essence, you can make a film completely in one room yeah. um, and still meet all the criteria of having the 10 items. Um, so, and I wanted to do that because as a filmmaker, I know how annoying it is yeah. <laughs> to have to run around uh, and yeah. shoot locations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So again, in that, so there are bits and pieces of the festival that as filmmakers, you know, we kind of went, okay, let, let's make this a bit better. Let's make that a bit better. Um, and then we ran it for the, so the ACD government pays for it. Yeah. Which is brilliant. Um, and we've been running it for 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been running it on my own since for the last 12. Wow. It's amazing how important a deadline is. Yeah. And a deadline that's not too far away. Yeah. You know, so that when you decide to make a Lights Canberra film, you, you know, you go, you turn up, get the items, and then really you've got no time to faff about yeah yeah. you kind of either do it or you don't yeah um and you've got a deadline 10 days later so it's not far enough away that you put off making it until the last minute and then you're like oh i can't be bothered it's it's right there you've got you do it or you don't yeah and a lot of people have said to me that they don't have um a lot of time and this is the only time they make a film because they they know that they can allocate two weekends to it and then it's done and they've made a film for the year and they're super happy and it's um you know, if, whether it makes it or not, they make a film every year. Yeah. Because it's it gives them a guide because they've got a theme. You know, they have to include the items and that helps them write things. Because um, if you're given too open a brief, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know what where to go, where to start. If we give you 10 things and a theme, you've kind of already got a story forming in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it it's just the way it's constructed in that just a fluke really (laughs) that means that people um, respond to it really positively and really enables them to focus for not too long, but long enough to do something decent. Yeah. 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 Um, 
how many films get made each year? Like, is it a consistent amount or is it? No, it's been growing for years, um, which is really good. It goes down every time it rains. Right. <laughs> so there was one year where it poured for the whole week um, and we had our lowest number of entries that year. Yeah. Um, and that's just because it's much harder and people give up, uh, which is fair enough. Um, I wouldn't want to be out in the rain yeah. shooting. Um, but uh, it, it, it's about 30 to 40 teams. Yeah. You know, um, started, I think the first year was 25 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's you know, grown and grown and grown. And, and one year we had 55 teams um, finish. Um, and then it, from then it's been, you know, up and down depending on weather. Yeah, okay. So weather, <laughs> where weather is a, makes sense being that the locations and things. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and out of all those films, uh, what are some of the films that have really stood out to you and, wh- and why? I, I really want to understand what, from your perspective as somebody, you know, I, you, you, I know you're not on the judging panel, so you don't have like decision making on that, but mm. you see, I'm assuming you see all the films every year. Yep. And so uh, what, what I want to get to uh, an understanding is, is what is, what makes a great film? What makes a great <laughs> short film and how, 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 you know, filmmakers can can learn from mm. watching films that are from previous years yeah um well it starts with you've got to be basically technically competent you know you've got to be able to see it and hear it yeah. they're the basic things because every now and then we'll get a film where the audio is so bad you can't hear the dialogue and if you if you, the audience can't understand what's going on that's a big problem yeah. but that's sort of the basic level to be honest as long as things as long as you can see it and hear it um then it comes completely down to story yeah. and characters. Um, you know, beyond that beautiful cinematography and, you know, fabulous editing and really good writing, they all help, obviously. But if the story isn't there, um, the judges won't connect. Because um, as you say, I, I don't judge at all, but I, and I sit there very, sometimes difficultly, very quietly. <laughs> mm. I sit there and um, I watch all the films with the judging panel. So I hear them talk and I write up notes for any filmmaker who wants feedback. I write yeah. up the conversation that I heard and the notes that they make and, because I want to help people improve. Yeah. For me, feedback is so important and mm. that's a big part of what I do as the festival director is listen, take notes, synthesize it for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so story. It's about connecting with um, characters that you recognise or that you um, either in yourself or in other people, um, and following them on a journey that's then satisfying. As you know, Sanguine Media have been providing workshops for a number of years now, and the idea behind them is to give opportunity to emerging filmmakers to give themselves a guided. Um, exploration of a film production uh-huh. so part of what we we try and focus on is about uh, getting the story right and getting a story that works and then going through the process of actually producing that film so um, you know and, and it isn't like a textbook here page one turn the page now page two and all that sort of thing we just throw ourselves into it what do we need to make a film happen we need actors we need crew we need equipment we need to have storyboards we need to have um, shot lists and all that sort of thing, and we just get it, get it all done, and then we go off and shoot it. Just learn by doing. Just learn by doing, and then you know, and then obviously we go as far as the editing and delivering. So it's the full gamut of filmmaking, all done very quickly as the available time that we have. Part of the vision that I was hoping to give to the Canberra film community is to actually give some direction on how to make a lights camera action film, and that's sort of where we're at, at the moment. So the first 
the first few people I talked with are the filmmaking workshop attendees, so the, the filmmakers who are part of that. And um, I asked them a bit about what it's like to have basically plan the film that they're working on. Um, and they've come up with some really interesting ideas. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it's been a really great experience to, to give them their chance to, to explore what they wanted to make for this year's Lights, Camera, Action. I'm Matthew Thompson from Canberra and I'm here to make a film for Lights, Camera, Action. Right, my name's James Dyer and I've just started getting into content creation, making content for social media. My name is Erina, I come from a creative background. My name is Donna Marie Hansen, I am currently studying a PhD in creative writing and I write science fiction, fantasy, paranormal romance in the long form and short form as well as some horror. My name is Matthew Farrer. I've had five novels published. Uh, my sixth is currently in edits. The theme for this year's Lights, Camera, Action is planted and coming off that, we wanted to come up with something relevant. Um, and um, I thought about how over the New Year's period, I was unable to contact my family through the bushfires. Um, so that sort of sprouted the idea that we have now. So this is a family drama about a mother and a son and them being separated due to the fires and story about um, how you should always appreciate what you have while you have it. Uh, the story takes place with a character, he's a young man, he's having an argument with his mum. Uh, he leaves home and the bushfires come through. Our film is about a cat lover who's very shy and he accidentally tags himself with an enhanced cat tagger causing him to develop certain behaviours but with that it also enables him to like come out of his shell more. It's interesting because the, the, the way the story evolved from, you know, just the idea of someone being implanted with a microchip and trying yeah. to work the story around that. So to fit around the theme of lights, camera, action, we wanted to um, make something original. I guess the idea of implanting someone with a chip that makes them behave like a cat. But I think what's familiar about it is, you know, cat behaviours, like there's a lot of cat videos and... Uh, people behaving like cat memes and it's sort of bringing that together in a sort of new sort of way of um, you know the shy nerdy guy ends up being a bit more confident because he's taken on some cat behaviours. Friday evening we find out there are going to be ten objects so uh, things or places sounds whatever that we have to incorporate to meet the terms of the competition uh, and then so once we once we have those and can uh, find places for them in the story then at that point we're ready to start shooting. We're hoping to start filming next weekend, um, Friday the 21st, we've got a party scene that we're gonna film at. Um, then Saturday we're hoping to secure a booking at a property to film on. Um, we've got hopefully one child actor coming in, an actor playing a mother. Um, we're trying to get into contact with the um, RFS to get firefighters and a fire truck in one of our shots. So fingers crossed that all works out, I mean, it might not, but um, we're doing our best. I think the thing I've learned the most is collaboration and working with other people and especially when you're writing something because you're used to writing, I guess, just for yourself um, and then having to share your ideas with other people. I found that can uh, be challenging um, but also really rewarding because other people have such great ideas as well and just incorporating that into your story. Well definitely like distilling an idea so um, we went through like premise, theme, uh, plot and uh, log lines and just like workshopping an idea, putting it through 
It was almost like putting it through a sieve and then seeing what came out the other end. And it was really at the start, it, it highlighted a lot of plot holes that we, we had. And then in the end, um, what we ended up with was something much, much stronger. Yeah. I've always liked film, so I've always wanted to do filmmaking. And I've done little bits of filmmaking before. Um, but this is like, because it's from beginning to end, um, I wanted to really learn the whole process of film. I've got all these stories and I just want to get them out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's something that I need to say and I don't want them to die. That's the other part of it, you know? There's just something about, even if it can, when I'm editing, even if it takes four hours for 10 seconds of footage, watching that play back, watching it flow properly, it's just very rewarding to me. Uh, it's fun. It's um, something I came to quite late. I've been doing uh, prose writing for, for many years. I've had several no novels and uh, a lot of short fiction published. I have no idea where this will go, um, if it will go anywhere, but it's uh, no, right from the, the end of the first workshop uh, that we did, we were talking about what we would do when we came back to do another one. It's, um, uh, it, it's, it's great fun, it's, it's exhilarating, it's, it's turning out to be quite addictive. When you're out filming your lights, camera, action films, you tend to find other filmmakers around filming their films as well. And so one of the things that uh, I, I thought would be really great is actually to talk to some of these filmmakers and get an understanding what it's like to make their film. First, I bumped into Brendan Kelly, who is an actor and filmmaker, and I came to a very odd moment where there was a bit of a party scene in a park, and what I saw was one of his actors getting very comfortable with a plant. Um, so it's it's a, a bit of a new thing for us, like a huge twist at the end, um, and uh, I don't. I'm hoping no one's going to see it coming, um, because it's it's trying to make it so out there that you just would never see it coming, and there's no hints of that coming out. Um, uh, one of the people isn't a person by the end of our film, um, and uh, and it's sort of a. A homage to a famous film that, okay. that hopefully also people won't see coming okay. but um, yeah, I think that's all I can say okay. to, to keep the secret. What's it like making a lights camera action film? Um, it's very exciting it's actually really like that um, sort of uh, that hunt what is it you're hunting for, for scavenger. scavenger hunt exactly um, love the scavenger hunt element of it um, and also trying to sort of fit a coherent story around that is a really interesting experience <laughs> sort of want to Keep it simple, but uh, the items you're putting in it kind of make it more complicated by itself. Yeah. Uh, what's been the hardest part of your shoot so far? Um, the hardest part so far, I think, has just been getting people all together on the on the on the day that you want them, um, and uh, you know, keeping it to the time that you need. Because if you're trying to go from location to location, as the kind of event dictates, you you need to got to get things done really quick. <laughs> Another filmmaker that I spent some time on set with is Philip Meadows, uh, who is making a sequel to his uh, top 12 entry, um, Someone Else's Country. So he's back out in, in the Canberra bushlands, filming a scene for his entry for this year. My Let's Camera action film is Somebody Else's Country 2, which is like a sequel to the uh, film I did last year, which was my first film that I got accepted as part of LCA, first time in the top. 12, isn't it? There's 12 of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time as a feature film, but obviously I can't do it with budget. You know, you need a big budget for a feature film, so 
uh, start small and I'm going to try and keep doing this one episodal for as long as I can. The story comes around the idea of not being able to do a big humongous western with horses and carriages and all that sort of stuff that I would like to do because um, it's based off a, a book called Smokey the Outlaw of the Outlaws of the Kimberley, Smokey the Bandit, um, which is one of my favourite books. So it's, it's, it's a similar sort of context to that in Australian law. And um, I just decided if you take away the, the horses and you take away cars because it's apocalyptic future and everyone's running out to get everyone and anyone with a car could be heard from miles away, so you make yourself a, uh, a target. I was writing the film when I was playing Daisy, so a lot of the stuff in the film is actual real events that happened to me playing that video game. So today we're carrying on the story where we come across old Tom who's chasing down some raiders who have um, just been to his place and uh, the main character Charles knows old Tom and he's they're on their way to Aunt Bessie's and old Tom dies so they have to deliver Tom's body to Aunt Bessie and that's the next stage of this journey. This one's focused more around Peony as the protagonist, as the awesome um, female sidekick to Charles who he's graciously picked up and there's a big juxtaposition in this film um, with his own daughter, Charles's own daughter, who he left back at home, and the child he now has to look at, he's looking after in this different world. In order to get ready for a film, you have to set dates first. You can't get anyone good working on your film until you've got dates. And then once you've got dates, then you can start collecting all the troops to get in there. I guess creatively, it usually starts with who I'd like to work with. And then I try not to go and get them excited because you don't want to give people false hope because I used to do that a lot like I want you to be in my film it'll be great blah, blah, blah. and then months and months go by and then that person um, no longer uh, is appropriate for the role because the role has evolved so it's usually the people that I want to put in my film that's my first motivation and then my second motivation is towards what sort of story world I'd like to explore story worlds is usually my creative process creating a story world that's what I like to do uh, Lights Camera Action for me has always been an opportunity to network and find more people to work with on films. The best parts of it is we're still small enough to know everyone and um, give hugs on set and it's like a family reunion every time we catch up because we've all got our own lives and it gives us an opportunity to come together. And the final clip I have for you is um, another deleted exclusive clip from the conversation I had with Hugh Sanderson and Hugh being one of the perhaps most successful lights camera action filmmakers um, he had a few key tips on what makes a great lights camera action film um, but I think these tips apply for all sort of short film as well so there's two camps there's the easy stuff and there's the hard stuff the easy stuff are the check boxes you can tick that are going to make your life easier at the end of the day um, the first is have your script ready well ahead of time. Write at least two drafts. Just you want to get it out of your system first, but then you want to actually make sure it's of quality. Uh, there are times I wish I'd done more drafts on my own writing or more than one. I look back now and be like, oh, that's just crap. Um, yeah. But that's really important. Like get other people to read your scripts. Don't hide them from people. I think be ready to share with people you trust, of course. And then when they give you feedback, even if it's harsh, just accept that feedback. It's your job to decide what notes you take do on. And do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one thing that every script editor or producer who gives feedback that I've ever engaged with um, uh, they always say at the end of delivering notes, take them or leave them as you see fit. One thing that I also think is important is get another screenwriter working with you. Have yeah. more than one person writing a story. Just like there are some things that you'll get so caught up in your own bubble about the story that 
there may be something not working and you won't recognize that someone else will. And having another screenwriter there to help break that tension, but also bring in a slightly different voice and make sure that, you, that you're not getting into, I guess, especially with your character's voice's monotony and having similar sounding characters, that's really helpful to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think on that point as well, it's, it's very easy to get confused by the rules of the competition. Like, mm. because it sounds like you're supposed to start on day one and finish on day 10. And really, you can't start production yeah. until day one. Um, so you've got months and months, even totally. a year, to actually develop a great script. Um, and it's and it's definitely not against the rules to no, do that. Yeah. It's cameras can't roll before the 10 days begin, but you should be, and this will be another point in a moment, but you should be have your script done. You should have everything planned and booked in. You should be rehearsing with your actors before this time begins. So everyone gets there and is actually comfortable and not freaking out. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they know that they've only got limited amounts of time to do this. Okay, so my next thing in the easy stuff is... um. Look, I'm not normally a fan of exposition or montage or exposition by montage. Yep. Um, that being said, it does two useful things for a lights camera action film. Uh, one, it sets up your story's world quickly. Yeah. And two, it gives a home to some or all of your items. Yeah. Which is really handy. Um, yeah. What that means is you can now spend the other six and a half minutes of your film just focusing on your character's journey. It sets up your story's world. You do not want to be spending like five minutes more of your film world building. That's not how you make a good film, especially in seven minutes. Yeah. I wish I rehearsed more with my actors. Um, character is just critical to good storytelling, period. Um, so taking the time to learn how to work with your actors on this one, building a relationship with them, building trust with them, letting them explore the role and bring their own ideas to the table will make life so much easier on set. You also want to have planned everything, just plan everything, be in a position where you could roll cameras immediately after the last item has been announced if you really wanted to. We did that one year. We literally did that one year. Yeah. We had um, one of our crew at the announcement desk kind of listing down like uh, what they are texting them to us as we were starting to dress the set. So an hour later, we could start rolling cameras. Trust your team. Yeah. Holy moly, trust your team. Your cast and crew are there because they are better than you at their jobs. Just let them do their thing. You want to be having fun. Yes. As well. You, you don't want to be destroying yourself. Be ready to improvise. Things are going to go wrong. Uh, don't schedule, for example, to finish your edit and export on the same day or an hour before oh, yeah. submission. Oh, yeah. I say that from making that mistake myself. Um, <laughs> you will need extra time up your sleeve. You'll need flexibility up your sleeve. Mm -hmm. And flexibility doesn't necessarily mean always having a backup option, but being in a state where you're not so locked onto your vision um, that you are prepared to make sacrifices for the sake of getting the film made. And sometimes you'll be surprised by how much better the film will become when you're thrown a curveball. But it's just something to be ready for, especially if you're producing or directing. Like, I think the most important job of the director is to lead a team yeah. um, and rally them around your vision so they share that same vision and all feed into the same thing. And you've got to be ready to be able to lead that team through the difficult times as well. Well, that brings us to the end of the first episode of season two of Film Rhapsody. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And also, you can support this podcast by becoming a patron. And you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Sanguinetti Media. I'm Dan Sanguinetti. I'm Russell Lee. And this has been Film Rhapsody. Film Rhapsody is produced by Russell Lee and Dan Sanguinetti for Sanguinetti Media. Find our home at sanguinettimedia.com.au. 
Um, let's record that again.